This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How is it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine post trade deadline. It's going to be a lot to talk about. Joining me, as always, from beautiful Ontario, my co host, Josh Schaefer. Now, unfortunately, Josh, right before we recorded this episode, you had to switch your location just a little. You're in a brand new spot at the Ontario Rain headquarters, a breathtaking view behind you. But thanks to the glare, you had to kind of switch things up. So it looks like you're in the same spot as always because every backdrop at Rain headquarters looks exactly the same. But you (laughs) are in the uh, head conference room where I've been told a lot of uh, big blockbuster trades go down. Yeah, allegedly. Um, Cannot (laughs) confirm nor deny. But this was the view for those who can actually see. So we had this great view of the arena across the street. Outstanding. But um yeah, the setup, not great. No lighting on my face. But since I'm on a laptop today, I can very easily just rotate and give myself some better lighting. Well, there you go. There you go. So as I tease Josh, we're going to be talking about everything trade deadline with the Dodgers. We did cover most of their moves, almost all of their moves in previous episodes because, well, we thought there would be more. Now, there is one to get to, but there's also a lot of non-moves to get to. But before we talk about everything that went down for yesterday's trade deadline, make sure you guys follow Inside the Ravine on whatever social media app you guys are on. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just find us there at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also listen to every episode on Spotify, on Apple, and on the Odyssey app. But Josh, like I just mentioned, we recorded a couple episodes last week because the Dodgers were very active in the trade market, made a number of different moves, had three separate trades all go down last week. And you and I both talked saying the moves were fine, you know, not groundbreaking moves by any means, but we assumed the Dodgers had a little more up their sleeve when it came to the trade deadline. So the trade deadline has come and gone. Uh, I guess, as I mentioned, the Dodgers made one move yesterday. Where do you even want to start when it comes to yesterday? Because I know there's three kind of separate things we can talk about, maybe four. But is there a specific one that you just want to dive into right away? Yeah, let's start with the players that the Dodgers no longer have. The one trade that did go through for the Dodgers, because I feel like that one's pretty quick. Um, and then let's talk about the two moves that uh, that didn't get done and uh, and why. Well, they did acquire a lot of cash yesterday, Josh. A lot of cash came in. Justin Brule got sent to the Rockies. Phil Bigford and Adam Kalerik got sent to the Mets. And then, obviously, I think outside of those, we have our trade with the Royals. So, yeah, Josh, that's that's their big move from yesterday. Ryan Yarbrough, welcome. Yeah, so so the Dodgers do bring in Ryan Yarbrough, um, which is, of course... Um, not, you know, the big blockbuster deal the Dodgers thought, or at least Dodger fans thought we might get to see from the team. Um, what we do know is uh, is that, you know, Phil Bickford 
Um, you know, my favorite name on the team because you can pronounce the B really aggressively. So it's Bill Bickford. Um, so he's no longer with the team. Um, and then, you know, Justin Brule also gone, you know, the, the pieces that are no longer there for the Dodgers, I don't think I'm super concerned about, um, you know, um, Phil Bickford and Trace Thompson, the two heroes of that 12 inning walk-off walk game from a couple of months ago against the twins are now no longer here Two Dodgers legends, um, Trace with the walk-off walk, Phil Bickford with the greatest three innings in, of relief in Dodgers history. Um, uh, of course, I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but um, the two of them were the heroes that game. Um, and so both of them gone, Justin Brule gone. Uh, we'll call this all Shohei Cash. What I will say is the Dodgers doing this trade for cash considerations with the Mets. Why not just toss in Verlander? You know, I could have done it. But, um, but again, you know, there are some things that the Dodgers um, felt like they needed to do. Um, but it, it just didn't really work out for him, at least on the Yarbrough front. Um, you know, he's a ground ball pitcher. Maybe that's what the Dodgers are looking for right now. Um, you know, his, his fastball isn't anything crazy. It's got a pretty uh, low velo at, at 87 miles per hour on average, um, a decent curveball. Um, he does have a cutter. Um, but yeah, he, he's a ground ball pitcher, which maybe that's exactly what the Dodgers are looking for right now, at least out of the bullpen, especially if you're looking for somebody to get out of some jams. Maybe you don't need him to come in and just absolutely flame throw strikes past batters and get outs that way, but put the ball on the ground. Maybe it leads to some double plays, and maybe that's kind of what the Dodgers are looking for from the Yarbrough deal. Um, and other than that, couldn't really get a lot done for a, you know, a multitude of reasons. I, I think the reason that the Yarbrough move, which, by the way, Josh, I, I feel like there's just some joke in there, Yarbrough, like that you can just make after every outing he does. So we'll see. Also, it's a good, like, Yarbrough. You know, it's not like your Bigford one, but I feel like you can throw that in there. It's the fact that if this happened, like, right after the deadline, I think it trickled in a few minutes after. And it's the fact that the Dodgers were, like, in on Jack Flaherty, in on Dylan Cease. What's going to happen? And then five minutes after the deadline, yeah, no, they, they acquire Ryan Yarbrough. So it costs them nothing. It costs them, like, their number 29 prospect and some random 19-year-old. So the cost is nothing. His numbers on the season, 4.24 ERA, 4.29 FIP, 1.20 WHIP. Only 29 strikeouts in 51 innings, so this guy is not a flamethrower like you said, tops out at 87, not a strikeout thrower, but if there is a silver lining, if there is a positive you want to take away from this, in his four starts since returning from the IL, a 2.19 ERA, 3.35 FIP, 24 and two-thirds innings, he's gone six innings in three of those starts, went seven innings in his last start, so... I think the Dodgers are just taking a flyer on a guy that's able to eat innings. It looks like he's kind of figured things out over his last couple of starts. I don't know as of right now where he slides into the rotation, Josh, because with the addition of Lance Lynn, I think the Dodgers pretty much have their five guys. So unless the Dodgers want to maybe stretch out a six-man rotation, or if, I guess, Kershaw doesn't return as soon as we expect. Julio, I think, is dealing with the minor kind of injury, so maybe that's where he slides in. But I think he's maybe going to fill like the Mitch White, Ross Stripling kind of role, where if a starter is only able to go three or four innings and you need a guy to come in out of the pen and eat innings, I think that that's what Ryan Yarbrough is going to do. But for the most part, it's such a low-risk, high-reward kind of trade. I got no problem with it. I think it's just the fact that, again, 
you were expecting so many names to potentially be acquired. The fact that right after the deadline, it's okay. Yeah, they get Ryan Yarbrough from the Royals. That's kind of their big move of the day. But overall, I, I don't hate it when looking at it in hindsight. Yeah, ultimately, I think that it's something that that makes your bullpen a little bit better, especially when you look at some of the guys that you let go of. Um, so so ultimately, I'm, I'm fine with it, too. Again, you know, we kind of speculated that the Dodgers might be doing these low risk, high reward kind of low budget moves at the deadline based off of, you know, the first one or two trades we saw bringing back, you know, Kike Hernandez going out and getting Ahmed Rosario for, you know, not a whole lot. Um, the moves that they did leading up to the actual deadline, we thought that that might actually be replicated. So although, you know, I am disappointed um, to see that there were a few moves that didn't ultimately get made, it, it's okay. Um, I think that the Dodgers are a better team than they were seven days ago. I think that the moves that they made, I mean, the fact of the matter is, when you go into the trade deadline, if you're a team that thinks you can compete for a World Series, compete for a division title, make an actual legitimate run, my big thing is, are you a better team? Are you better set up to achieve that right now than you were a few days ago or right before the deadline? The fact of the matter for me is that that answer is yes. That is an easy yes. Kike Hernandez comes in. I think he's better than what the Dodgers could have had. You know, Ahmed Rosario comes in. That makes the Dodgers better. For example, this Ryan Yarbrough move, I think that makes the Dodgers bullpen a little bit better, even though he hasn't been posting incredible numbers. I think that makes the Dodgers better. Lance Lynn has performed in, or has, has appeared in one game for the Dodgers, and, you know, he looked, he looked pretty well. I mean, he looked pretty good. It, it wasn't his best stuff. Um, pretty on brand for, for Lance Lynn this season. A bunch of strikeouts, a couple of hits. Three earned runs, all three home solo home runs. Like that's pretty on brand, but three runs in a seven inning performance, I don't think is all that bad. So again, maybe that makes the Dodgers a little bit better too. So ultimately, where where do I grade the Dodgers? I'd give them a B minus. I think they didn't go out and make any blockbuster moves. They didn't, you know, wow anybody with an Arenado trade or a couple of the other guys that we're going to talk about here. But ultimately, I think the Dodgers are in a better position now than they were seven days ago, and ultimately that's a win. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way to look at it. Like you said, they, this is a better team overall. This is a better 26-man roster than they had seven days ago. They didn't add, you know, the flashy guys. But when you look at guys kind of one by one, you look at a Lance Lynn, you know, he's going to be a veteran that you add to the rotation that has, you know, Cy Young votes in their last couple of years. Ryan Yarbrough, you look at it as if he's taking Michael Grove's spot on the 26-man roster which is a win. Like, you look at Ahmed Rosario, he's taken Miguel Rojas's spot in the starting lineup. Kiki Hernandez, he's taken Yoni Hernandez's spot on the roster. So, again, not, not sexy moves by any means, but the Dodgers are improving, they are upgrading in those kind of roles. So, again, overall, when looking at all the different moves, I agree with you. I, I thought they made their team better. Um, yesterday was a little underwhelming because we were expecting a little bit more, but I do think the Ryan Yarbrough move is going to turn out to be a good one for the Dodgers. He does have, I think, club control through next year as well, so they're getting him for at least a couple of seasons, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes, but Josh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, we're going to dive into the fun stuff, all the moves the Dodgers did make, including <laughs> one that I still am having trouble believing 24 hours later, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll get right back to that.
All right, Josh, we are back. Now let's talk about the moves the Dodgers didn't make because this first one is just insane. I get the Jeff Pass a notification at two o'clock, one hour before the deadline. And the way he worded it was an absolute tease because he words it as the Dodgers and Tigers have agreed to a deal for Eduardo Rodriguez. And I'm like, okay, that's the guy that everyone's been talking about. That's the guy that's been linked to the Dodgers. There's your move. Awesome. And then I kept reading it. And then it goes on to say, oh yeah, but he uh, took advantage of his no trade clause, which had the Dodgers on it. He declined. The trade is dead. So Josh, I first off, were you like me when you saw the notification originally? Did you think the Dodgers pulled off a trade? And what are your thoughts on seeing this go down? Because we never see a player pretty much that has a no trade clause actually go through with it. I think I saw on Twitter the last time a player has actually pulled this off was Cliff Lee over a decade ago. So it's it's been a while since we've seen a player actually roll through with this. Yeah, it's uh it's very rare that you would start a podcast segment and describe the trades that didn't happen as quote the fun stuff. Um but I completely agree. That this is what's interesting with this trade deadline with Dodgers. This is all going down yesterday and I'm thinking they might go after Verlander it was more like I would rather Verlander be a Dodger than go somewhere else, like to the Astros, which, of course, we know he did. Um, but I didn't really want the Dodgers to make that trade for Verlander. It's nothing on him. It's more kind of the contract stuff, maybe his age a little bit, who you would have to give up, what the price would be. And ultimately, it seems like that's why the Dodgers didn't go that direction. So I'm thinking, honestly, you're probably going to give up less and maybe even get more if you go after Eduardo. So I see this tweet, Blake, and I think this is this is good, right? This is really good. And then, like you said, I finished the tweet, and I'm thinking, what? So, you know, at first I was very surprised to see this. Um, it, it, it seems as if he has family on the East Coast, or at least on in that portion of the country, the eastern part, maybe not specifically the East Coast, and he has a 10-team no-trade list of all the West coast teams. I do think it is a little bit weird that he didn't waive that to go to the Dodgers. Um, so, you know, maybe he wants to stay close to family, this or that. Um, what I did find very interesting is thinking, how did we get this far in this process? And how did the Dodgers not know that this was going to happen? And after digging and doing a little bit more research on that, of course, you know, we have some reporter friends. I saw them re report this. I've seen this in a few different places. It seems as if the reason this trade doesn't go through, of course, is on Eduardo. But ultimately, it's on the Tigers because the Dodgers are the team that's pursuing this trade. The Tigers are the team that is usually supposed to be responsible for making sure that the no trade clause is waived. So I've seen a lot of reports saying that this is actually on the Tigers, not on the Dodgers whatsoever. So even though the talks went were essentially done, they were that close to going through, but he did not waive his, his no trade clause, um, is more on the Tigers than it is on the Dodgers. I still think it is crazy that he didn't want to come out here, but that's his own personal thing. It is what it is. But I will, I will say this. Those three games between the Tigers and the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in September are now circled on my calendar, and I am looking forward to seeing those three games and hoping the Dodgers get a chance to face them. Yeah, I mean, the odds are in our favor that they will get to face them. I think it's a three-game series, so 
there's a three out of five chance that he'll be on the mound for one of them. But yeah, it's it is weird because again, it's it's not like the Dodgers went into the move not knowing that they were on his no trade list. Like they knew that they were one of the ten teams. But like you said, after after hearing kind of I think what Andrew Friedman talked about and after hearing what the Tigers GM was talking about, it does sound like it's more so on the Tigers that they just kind of were out of the loop. I think the Dodgers or Friedman said they were in talks with his agent. And his agent was pretty much saying, like, I'm pretty sure he's going to waive it. The Tigers were saying, we're pretty sure he's going to waive it. So the Dodgers were like, all right, let's agree to the deal. And then they went down and they said, hey, Eduardo, do you want to go to L.A.? And he just said no. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting deal all the way around. I, I guess the good thing is the Dodgers, at least Andrew Friedman said, it didn't really screw them over too much because they still at least had an idea that it could happen in the back of their minds. But... Yeah, Fred Eduardo Rodriguez, the the thing I just don't understand is, and supposedly it's because he wants to stay close to his family in Venezuela, which I think is what a lot of the reports came out, which if that's the case, sure, Detroit might be a little bit closer to Venezuela. I don't, you know, really know my geography too well, but at the end of the day, if you're getting on a plane to go somewhere, isn't it all relatively the same? I guess the flight might be a little quicker, but... It's not like they're all just down the street. I'm sure he has like his wife and kids that are with him in Detroit, or maybe they're actually not with him in Detroit. I'm not exactly certain, but it really seems like it's not that big of a deal, and especially, Josh, considering he would just come to L.A. for a couple of months, hopefully pitch through the end of October, so I guess maybe close to three months, and then you're a free agent. You can go back to the Tigers if you want. You can re-sign a contract there, go anywhere else on the East Coast. It just blows my mind that a guy is passing up on pitching for a World Series contender for, again, a couple of months, and opting is, I mean, it'd be, again, it'd be also one thing if the Tigers were a borderline playoff team. You know, I guess, well, I guess technically they are in their crappy division. I think they're like six games out, but it's Detroit. I've been to Detroit. I will say it's not as bad as I was expecting it to be, but it is Detroit. So it's just a mind-blowing thing all the way around, just because, like I mentioned, Josh, it's been a decade since we've seen a player that actually had a team on his no-trade list that he stuck it through with. Lance Lynn, for whatever reason, the Dodgers were on Lance Lynn's no-trade list. He waived it. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander both had no-trade clauses, and they waived it. So, yeah, overall, a very just crazy uh, day that this actually happened. But, yeah, I overall, I... His numbers are great. He would have been a welcome addition to the Dodgers rotation, but I'm not sweating it. I'm not losing sleep over it because I don't think we're ever going to know what the Dodgers price would have been to acquire him. But if I were to guess, it probably would have included a Michael Bush, maybe an Emmett Sheehan to get him over. So I don't hate it, but just a a crazy kind of, uh, again, development that took place yesterday that I don't think anyone was expecting. Yeah, I will say real quick, I did look up the distance and uh, from L.A. to Caracas and uh, Detroit. Um, Detroit is about a 1,000 miles closer. But at this point, we're not talking about driving distance. We're talking about what is a five-hour flight versus a six-hour flight or something like that. I feel like it's really not that different at that point. It's one thing if it's like, you play in Detroit, but you have family in Cincinnati and you don't want to go to LA. Yeah. So I feel like it's a little different on an international scale, but Hey, that's, that's his prerogative. And, uh, and if that's how he went about it, sure. I'm, I'm still, you know, surprised that, that the deal didn't go down and, but you know, that's not the only deal that we thought 
the Dodgers might put forth. I mean, at least yeah. on deadline day, we thought that there might be one with Verlander. It seemed like he wanted to go to the Astros. Um, obviously, you know, we had discussed this before, the Dodgers potentially being linked to um, Dylan Cease. He didn't go anywhere. The, the deadline passed and, and, and Dylan Cease was not moved from the White Sox. Um, of course, the Angels were buyers, surprisingly, not sellers at the deadline. We talked about Lucas Giolito. Giolito goes to the Angels, so he does come back to Southern California, but goes to the Angels instead of the Dodgers, which is one that I was definitely surprised to see, a little bit disappointed about that one. Uh, Jack Flaherty, another guy that was linked to the Dodgers, and almost, you know, really on deadline day, we didn't hear a word about the Dodgers and Jack Flaherty. But in the, you know, the previous couple of weeks, we thought that there were conversations being had. And honestly, and then another one, Jordan Montgomery, it seemed like, it seemed like the deal yeah. was going to be for the Dodgers in the Arenado trade was going to be a blockbuster. Montgomery, maybe Flaherty, Arenado for a ton of prospects and maybe a few big league guys and didn't go through. So there were a lot of guys that were linked to the Dodgers and ultimately they all go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, especially after the whole Eduardo Rodriguez thing, you know, Flaherty was still on the board, but it just seemed like the Dodgers, for whatever reason, weren't interested in paying that price. The final one, just to quickly talk about, Josh, that is Justin Verlander. This is a name that we threw out there, you know, in the last couple of episodes. It did sound like I, I thought that that's what it was going to be. I know you and I were kind of hesitant on the whole contract situation. And for good reason, because at the age of 40, I don't think you want to be paying a guy 30, 40 million a year. It did seem like it was going to be Dodgers until yesterday because apparently the Astros, they came out the other day and they said, we don't need starting pitching, but I guess they caught wind that Verlander pretty much only wanted to go there. So he waived his no trade clause to go to the Astros. And it really kind of sounds like the way Andrew Friedman made it sound. If the Astros wouldn't have come in and been like, okay, we'll, we'll get Verlander back. It does sound like it would have been the Dodgers that would have pulled off a trade. Again, I'm not exactly certain what the price would have been, but it sounds like the Dodgers would have been willing. More so because, Josh, I don't know if you saw the final numbers come out, but the Astros are paying him pretty much nothing over these next two and a half years. I think the Mets, from what I saw, the Mets are paying his salary all of this year. They're paying his salary all of next year. And then in 2025, which was the issue with all these teams, if he reaches that threshold and gets his $35 million for 2025, the Mets will pay half. So I think the Astros are only on the books for like $18 million for two and a half years of Justin Verlander. I would have taken that if I were the Dodgers. I'm sure that, again, they, were, they would have been willing to. But at the end of the day, again, you can't fault Freeman. You can't fault the front office because Verlander chose that the Astros was where he wanted to go. So... You struck out, but there's nothing they could have done. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it, it's just kind of how it goes. You know, I didn't think the Dodgers were really going to put forth a big, you know, push for for Justin Verlander. It would have been interesting. Would have given off shades of the Scherzer deal from a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, if the Dodgers had been in a similar situation where they don't have a ton on the books, I think it would have been great. But I think that the Dodgers probably would have had to have given up some sort of haul. Um, and, and honestly, I, I'm not saying that I'm – I'm opposed to trading prospects, obviously. Like that's that's the big thing, right? Is, is prospects are the most overrated um, people in sports. I mean that by I mean no disrespect. That's just what they are. You have no idea what a guy is going to be like at the big league level. So, at, in some sense, and I know that we have a few friends that echo this as well. 
in some sense, it's kind of insane to value them so high and hoarding all of your prospects when you can go out and get somebody who is already proven. Now, I kind of battle back and forth between the two things where sometimes, like, obviously you want your prospects, you want them to develop. But then in some sense, like, you can go out and you can get a generational talent, a Hall of Fame pitcher um, by trading some of your top prospects. You should do it. But I think you, com- you, you compile that with um, his age, you know, his contract, and maybe that deters you from making that deal. For me, that's kind of what deterred me from the Dodgers making that deal. But like I said earlier, I just didn't want him to want to see him go back to the Astros, and that's what he did. Yeah, so that that's what ends up happening. And at the end of the day, you know, the Dodgers just have a quiet deadline. Initially, once it passed, I know you and I were texting. I was talking with some other people. I was frustrated because I'm thinking – you got to go after Jack Flaherty. You got to pay what the price is. Dylan Cease is available. You got to pay whatever the price is. Clearly, Friedman thought that the price was too high. And again, we're, we're not going to know what the proposed offers were. Maybe for the White Sox, they were asking for the Dodgers' top three or four prospects for Dylan Cease. Maybe for Flaherty, they were asking for like a Michael Bush, a Ryan Pepio, a Landon Knack. We just won't know. So now that the dust is kind of settled, it's 24 hours later. I'm not as upset as I was yesterday, just because again, they did try at Verlander. It just didn't go their way. They actually got a deal done for Eduardo Rodriguez. It didn't go their way. And then last minute, you know, teams were asking for too much. So, uh, again, I, I still think overall, like we talked about, the Dodgers made some really nice upgrades across the board when it comes to their depth, their starting rotation, and their bullpen. Maybe not what we were expecting, but overall, Josh, you know, to wrap this up, I think the Dodgers had a fine trade deadline when looking at all their moves. Um, I could have used another starter just because I think they need it. But I think they'll be just fine. They're the second best team in the National League. I don't think there's a move that would have made them the best team in the National League. So we got to write this out for the next couple of months and hope it pays off in October. I mean, you, I, I even thought to myself when you just said that, and I've already convinced myself otherwise, that if they had pulled off that Arenado trade, would they be the best team in the National League? No, because they still if, can't pitch. But. Yeah, if, if they would have gotten like – Flaherty and Montgomery that would have and been Montgomery, a little better of a conversation but yeah I, I still think they would have been have behind the Braves Ex- you know if you, if you give up some big league <laughs> talent as well then then maybe that detracts from that but you're right like and I'll, I'll just you know I'll end it with what I said earlier just echo that that statement a little bit the Dodgers today on uh, August 2nd 2023 are a better team than they were on July 31st so Yep. I'll leave it at that because I think that, um, you know, especially people on Twitter or X or whatever Elon's feeling at the moment, it could be different <laughs> by our next episode. I don't know what he's doing, but people on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, are going to be on either side of it where the Dodgers didn't do anything. This is a disgrace. Like, what are we doing? We're not contenders. Or it's going to be the, why do we need any of these guys? Like, why did we trade anybody? Whatever. They are a better team than they were two days ago. They were a better team yeah. than they were a week ago. Adding players like Kike Hernandez, like Ahmed Rosario, like Lance Lynn, like Ryan Yarbrough, these are all trades that I think ultimately have made the Dodgers better. Um, maybe it's a little bit too early to speak on some of those yet, but I think that they are. And through one game with Lance Lynn, he gave up three runs. Sure, they were all bombs, but he went seven innings. And quite frankly, 
I will yeah. take that from every single start from Lance Lynn because that puts the Dodgers in a position to win. That's what he did in his first game. And so far, Ahmed Rosario and Kike Hernandez have both put the Dodgers in positions to win games. And I think Ryan Yarbrough is going to do the same thing. So they're better than they were two days ago. They are better set up to win the NL West. They are better set up to compete for a World Series title, even if that's something we think that they're capable of. They are more capable now than they were 48 hours ago. Yeah. And again, every player so far the Dodgers have gotten, they've performed. Lance Lynn, like you said, looked great last night, gave them seven innings, had seven strikeouts. Kike had pretty much the game-winning hit last night by clearing the bases with that double. Ahmed Rosario, three for nine so far, small sample size. And Joe Kelly, his lone appearance, he got a strikeout to, I think it was like with the bases loaded in like a one-run, maybe two-run game. So all these guys the Dodgers have gotten, they've performed so far overall. They'll be fine. Just wait till October. But Josh, that does wrap up this uh, trade deadline special. I didn't think either one of us would be talking about these kind of moves. I was hoping we'd be breaking down a Nolan Arenado blockbuster, a Dylan C's blockbuster, a Justin Verlander trade, something like that. But that's baseball for you. That's the trade deadline. Any parting words before we uh, head out for the week? Um, just to you know, you know, help Eduardo Rodriguez's case a little bit. He also has family in Miami who he wanted to stay close okay. with. So I, I will there send it go. at that. That is a lot more reasonable. So Dodger fans, chill out a little bit, and we'll see how things play out. And again, all those cash considerations, just save those oh, up yeah. for the offseason. <laughs> I think Friedman said, because they don't have a number, but it could be like up to $1 million. So, hey, that's $1 million extra that you can just throw at Shohei. I don't, know, it's, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, but... Hey, that extra million, it could potentially help. But again, you guys can find this show on whatever social media app you guys use at Inside the Ravine. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And over on YouTube where you guys can catch the full episodes. You guys can also listen to the shows on Spotify, Apple, and on the Odyssey app. But as always, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be.